0: You are now listening to the Film Frequency Podcast, hosted by your professionally unprofessional film critics, the Film Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Film Frequency. I guess this week we are the Pod Warriors because we're here to review Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Uh, Very nostalgic movie. This is one that was picked by JB during our Halloween special month. What's going on, broski?
1: What's going on, bro? What's going on, film family? Yeah, man. I've I've said several times throughout the history of this podcast, my favorite um, franchise in terms of horror has always been Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street. And of the franchise, this has been my favorite one, so that's why I picked it.
0: Okay, okay. We'll get into it. We got a couple of pieces of news before we get into that exactly so the first thing that i want to pick up on is a story that we talked about last week. we talked about how um all of regal theaters were going going to be closing down um and we speculated that the other theaters are probably close behind well contrary to that uh cinemark and amc have both said that they will not be closing down during this time so they are actually going to be staying open what do you think about that bro
1: Yeah, I mean, at this point, everybody is kind of have to kind of have to do what they feel is best for their business. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not going to, you know, say, you know, say it's not here nor there. It's really up to everybody. But I'm glad that someone's going to decide to, you know, let's keep it moving and let's try to figure out a way to best do this. Not only for their own their own selves and their own pockets, but also for the entertainment of of us.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think I think, you know, to, to your you made the point. On that last episode, where we talked about it that you know theater's doing interesting things letting it let it, let it be rented out for like gaming tournaments or people to just rent out screens uh when you have one of the major uh movie chains going away, uh we're not going away, but closing back down, you know it opens it up to more things like especially you, you got to think about it winter's coming around, football's in uh people are may be more likely to try to rent out these screens to do something i mean for example if you have a family that's a big christmas uh family why not you know who said who's to say they won't rent it out so they can bring all their family members in and watch a christmas movie together because you know families haven't it's not like they're able to pack up in huge groups and go to restaurants in some of these cities so maybe you get something like that um i just think overall and you know and i and i was thinking about how we're doing this I have not seen one movie theater, at least not in my area, have it advertised to where they're doing any like a Fright Fest type thing. Like, why aren't movie theaters doing this? This is the season for horror movies. Why not get some of these licenses and just, you know, do you're not going to make crazy money off of it. But anything that can get people in the theaters and and try to break down that stigma, the things that the, the theaters need to be doing in this time, in my opinion, is breaking down uh, the concern that people have about coming to theaters, if it's safe or not. Do as much as you can so that way when the movies do start, the new movies do start coming out in 2021 again, you've put yourself in the best position to where people are going to come and pack your theaters as much as they can with with the limitations. I'm just surprised that something like that isn't happening. What do you think?
1: No, well, I mean, you made a great point. I mean, I think this month would have been a beautiful month for test runs Mm -hmm. and pilots because it's the month of October. It's Halloween month. I would say going to the movie theater and watching horror is sort of a pastime um, that still lives on and will probably still live on forever. Who doesn't want to go to the movies to get a good jump scare, yeah. you know, around everything? So they could have brought back some of the classics, the, the Friday the 13th and The Exorcist and stuff like that and play them throughout the month. They didn't even have to charge full, you know, full cost. It's not, It shouldn't really be about the money for them at this point it's more about getting people into the act of coming out buying the popcorn coming out with the family watching a movie for two three hours just get people into the habit of going back out again and then once that's in later on that's when you pull them in with the big blockbusters but it's really weird that no one is really is really doing that and i don't know if the fear is oh man if someone gets it you know you know someone gets sick or whatever it's bad publicity and it could lead to you know lawsuits or whatever the case may be i don't know
0: true but you would think like especially if you're staying open you have to do something to get people in like for example me and my kids today and we'll peel back behind the curtain we're going to go see that war with grandpa movie with robert de Niro and you know we're just it's it's something to do you, you, you so um you would think that you would want to create more just something to do in a time where there's not a lot to do um in places and i and i, and I you know they, I'm, I'm sure they play pe- pay people who are supposed to be a lot smarter than us to come up and help with these decisions. But it just really, it's head scratching to me that they're not having any type. Hell, all these independent films that are like, there are a lot of independent film, um, festivals that are popping up now that are being done digitally. Why not partner with one of them to say, hey, you can come and catch this film in our, in our theater. Like this is the perfect time to get something new in there. I just, it just doesn't seem like they're trying to think of ideas outside the box to generate business. It really seems like they're really just in this waiting pattern until blockbusters movies come out again in 2021 and just saying, well, anyone who is deciding to come out with a new movie. Okay. Of course we'll show it, but it doesn't seem like they're really trying. And and that's the thing when you hear about like AMC may go out of business and stuff like that. It it just, it's mind boggling that they aren't trying new stuff.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's kind of easy for us to do this. We're kind of armchair quarterbacking. Um, really we the main thing that we're not seeing that they can see is what their operating costs are what does it cost to open up for 20 for one day and if they feel they can't at least recuperate that money um even i, I think if yeah at least if i could open and operate even breaking even for me that's a win because again i'm getting people to have it but if they're oper- one day of operation is losing money then there is no you might as well just stay closed because then what's the purpose of what so people can go watch movies so that's the part that we're not seeing what the operation costs are day to day
0: true but we're talking about the the theaters that are deciding to stay open i get what you're saying with like with like uh cineplex or cinemark whatever whichever one it was uh closing back regal closing down completely but for the ones with amc and cinemark that are deciding to stay open if you're open anyway you would think you would want to try to generate as much money as you can. Cause for example, like the theater that we're going to today is only showing tenant and only showing, uh, Walmart's what theater is that? Huh?
1: What what like what brand is that? It's, what theater? It's a
0: Cinemark. It's a Cinemark brand. It's, uh, it's a
1: Cinemark. Yeah.
0: So they're only showing those two gotcha. movies, and then they're not even open. Like showing, there's. I think they're still only on two screens, so they only have two screens open. Like, and I get it. We're not seeing the overhead, but you're open anyway. Really, it shouldn't cost a lot if you go to one of these independent, uh, like I said, film festivals and, and reach out to the the creators of the film. For example, our boy John Campy, he has a a documentary coming out on movie trailers. You can't tell me that saying, "Hey, John, can we? What is it going to cost to lease your movie?" That he wouldn't say, "Okay, we'll do it for this price." And then you you see, even if it's for a week, like that helps. That helps movie uh, filmmakers. It helps you guys. Just put it on one of your extra screens, like. But you know, I mean, hey, it is what it is.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, this coronavirus thing is really taking a hit, and that, that I actually have one piece of news as well. Um, yeah. you know, when the time's right, but it does have to do with coronavirus. So you want me to just get into it yeah, now? Let's get into. it. We're already so. Usually, you know, we're in the month of October and normally in the next month or so, we'll start having talks about, uh, you know, Academy Awards and talks about uh, Golden Globes. Obviously, with this whole shit going on, that's been delayed. Mm -hmm. So um, they just released information uh, not too long ago. So the Golden Globes are basically pushed back until February and we're going to get the uh, Oscars until the end of April. Why this matters, though, is because usually November, December is that is that cutoff time, but they're actually going to extend it. Um, that's number one they're gonna extend what they're um, accepting and number two is they're also going to now include which they didn't do a lot before they did some but not a lot they're gonna be including like all brands of streaming Mm -hmm. so all streaming movies across the board it's gonna it's gonna have an opportunity before it was only like the big ones Mm -hmm. but now it's all period so you might see a shutter movie if good enough a shutter original be in one of these categories now because now they're opening it to everybody
0: yeah because i think for a while there it had to be they had to show in like a theater for a certain amount of time that's why like netflix did put like the irishman i think they only put in like one or two theaters for just that time period so it can be up for uh for award season so i mean that makes sense you have they have to think out the box and then especially now with streaming is going to be regardless if the big blockbusters aren't going to ever come straight to streaming but with streaming after covid i think it's going to be more of a focus you're going to see more people focus on creating movies just for streaming or how movies can get to streaming fast faster than what they did before you have to start including movies like that because there are some great movies that are worthy of award consideration that come that that are on streaming platforms so hats off to them for being able to adjust this whole thing has shown people that you need to learn to grow and get with the times and grow with technology so
1: and I do have um, one more thing that I really would love to hear your what you think about it. So, and again, it's coming from uh, this is coming from the Academy Awards. Now, we always talk about award season, and we always say like, oh, those movies that come out in the latter part of the year, they usually get nominated because it's fresh on these people's minds because they just came out. Yeah. Well, starting twenty twenty two, the Academy Award has switched things up now. And as of twenty twenty two, these movies that came out earlier in the year. They're going to be redistributing to the the, the 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 guys that come up with the nominations and uh, whatever they're called. Yeah, you know, so w- maybe something might have came out in January or February and might have been forgotten. That won't necessarily be the case no more because they're going to redistribute it to everybody to rewatch again. So now I think that might change things up a little bit because it might change things on, in terms of when movies are released because now there won't necessarily be. Uh, oh, it's a, it's an award season, so let's wait until the end of the year to release it. Uh, do you think that might change the the you know the, the playing field at all on anything at all, That the fact that they're doing that? I hope that
0: that just means that we don't get that lull in January and February of no movies anymore, of just terrible movies. I think that that, that, that could help space out some of these movies. If they're going to be considering movies from all – well, they've always considered movies from all over the year, but if they're going right. to make sure that they stay – in the focus or whatever then yeah hope hopefully Relevant, spreading yeah. spreading spreading that out would a give more time for more possible blockbusters because we know like summer area like it's week after week after week after week and people and you know as much as we see movies all the time not everyone can afford to go to the theater that often so if you spread that out to where January and February are now more of a time where people can come and go to theaters and get quality movies. That's that's just good all the way around. It's good for the filmmakers to be in consideration. They no longer have to worry about that date to keep pushing it off or whatnot. It's good for movie goers because now they get hopefully get better movies all throughout the year. And you know, it's just it's that's better all the way around. So
1: yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's all I got, man. In terms of news.
0: Last one I got is one that's just interesting. And so i know you're not the hugest marvel person or whatever but jamie fox is it's recently and he's confirmed it he's going to be in the next spider-man movie playing electro which he did in the amazing spider-man 2 which is no longer in continuity which has led to the speculation that we're going to see a mixed universe all this kind of all come come along which also plays in the marvel's plan because they have a film called dr strange in the multiverse Doctor Strange is also going to be in the new Spider-Man movie. What do you think about an actor like Jamie Foxx, one of the roles that people shitted on him for? His his portrayal of elect, electro people hated in that Spider-Man film. What do you think about somebody like him who is a, an awards winning actor to get another shot of it and to be in the actual MCU universe? What do you think of that?
1: So I'm gonna have to phone a friend to my brother here, and let, before I answer that question, let me ask you because I don't, I don't know, I'm not versed in this. Okay. The electro character, can you tell me a little bit about the character? Not Jimmy Fox, but about the electro character. What, what is what, what does he? What What is he about? What do you mean? What is he? The villain. reason it matters is because. Well, it matters because you're asking me if Jamie Foxx is gonna be a, is gonna be a good fit for the character. I can't answer that because I don't not, know what the character
0: is. Not necessarily. Not Jamie. So no, I'm not asking if he's gonna be a good fit for the character because Jamie Foxx is an actor who can do anything. So that's 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 not it. It's not about him being a fit for the character. It's more so about what do you think about this character who's who was who was in a different universe in a different portrayal and universe of Spider-Man them bringing him back into this into this mcu more so it's not about the character don't even worry about the character it's more about it'll be like for right, example, you're focusing me, more on
1: Electra himself
0: yeah let me let me let me let me put it this way it'll be like you remember how christian bell played uh john connor in that one terminator movie and never played him again yes so imagine if they took him out of that which is that's no longer in continuity and then brought him back into a new Terminator movie they were doing to play the same character, but in a different, a different storyline, a different universe. Had nothing to do with this portrayal before. Something like that. I'm trying to put it in 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 terms in the in the series kinda, that I know you know about.
1: Yeah, that's kind of weird. That's like saying like, yeah, that's really weird because uh, you know him as one way and one character, and then he's coming back in the same series, sort of as a different, sort of as a different thing. So yeah, that's kind of weird. I, like. For those who don't like, for well, for someone like me who doesn't watch and I watch, I'm not even gonna know that was even a thing. But for guys like you, who are you know comic book heads that know these things, the intricate part, they're gonna be like, "What the hell?" But I guess they'll probably have to do a good, a good job of educating people before that. Okay, Jamie Rose playing this, and this is blah 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 blah. So I think it'll be fine. Either way, I don't think it'll matter at the end of the day because, like you said, Jamie Foxx is very talented. People are not gonna give a shit. He's gonna go out there. He's gonna kick ass. He's gonna do his thing, and that's it. People won't really care. Yeah. There you go. That's my my, my thought I will on it say though, that, is... I am try, I am trying. Good. I am trying. But I just started rewatching from like the beginning. I'm trying to watch all the MCU movies. Mm-hmm. I saw Iron Man one. I saw Hulk. Um, what was after uh, Iron Man one and Hulk again? Was it Iron Man two?
0: So it was Iron Man Hulk. Yeah. Then Iron Man two, and then Thor, and then Captain America, and then the Avengers. That was the the Phase one. I believe and what's after it. Avengers after Avengers the next one after Avengers is what was the first movie of phase two Iron Man three I think so yeah I think it was Iron Man three
1: that's the, that's I've seen all of phase one I'm, I'm working on phase two right now okay. cool cool trying to get on your level
0: <laughs> you got a lot bro you got a lot to go to get on to get on that level I know right? all right effort let's go ahead we're gonna play a throwback trailer for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. We're going to come back. We're going to be reviewing it. We'll be right back after this.
1: It's 1987. Do you know where Freddy is? is home. <laughs> There's no waking up. From this nightmare no! A nightmare on elm street part three dream warriors
0: my motherfucking broski listen this is why we always i always say we're brothers because it's how we are very similar in a lot of ways we're dissimilar in some ways as well but i think generally Things that you see as classics, I also see as classics. We we disagree more on newer movies than we do on old school movies, because this is by far my favorite Freddy movie. This is my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It's this, then the original, and then uh, A New Nightmare is probably next on my list on that one. And then I'd have to keep like... Keep going. I, I'd have to... Uh, Freddy's Dead probably after that. Okay, keep going. And... Freddy 2 is probably towards the bottom of my list. Well, no, the remake, definitely. If we're adding in the remake, but if we're just talking original Freddy. Let, movies, let,
1: let's just keep it up till Freddy's dead and, and Wes Craven's New nightmare. Let's not worry about okay. all the other shit.
0: Okay, yeah. So uh so it's it's this one, uh, the original. Um, what'd I say? Freddy's Dead, then dream, No, uh, you said
1: um not New Nightmare.
0: Oh, yeah, New Nightmare, definitely. New Nightmare, Freddy's Dead, uh, then part two, and then Part four, dream, I hated part four. I hated Dream Master too. I I did not like Dream Master. Uh, so that'll probably be my that'll probably be my. my and part order.
1: five, where you got part five in there?
0: Which one's part five?
1: Part five is like, that's the the girl from part four, Alice. She has a kid, or she yeah, well yeah, she has a kid in part five.
0: Okay, so that one goes before part four to me.
1: Okay, so we're kind of similar. Um, I have this one as that we're gonna do today, part three, as my favorite. The original, um, which is really good, as second. New nightmares, third. I have um part five, then part four, and I, I well no, I'm sorry, I have uh part two, then part four, then part five. So I think just we're four and five we have six. Yeah, yeah. I bro, I,
0: I the nightmare, and it's not for everyone else. I know people like it's it's a whole documentary on Shutter, uh, with like saying how like the the the. the the gay side like that's why people backlash of it because there's like a, a oh, part two a, 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 yeah underline gay thing in part two that's not why i hate it at all it's just the it's just the story in it to me it's just it just you can tell that they didn't know the writers that picked up on it after west craven didn't really know what to do with it i'm glad that he came back for part three yeah uh, so that's my opinion on part two yeah but, so go ahead
1: no, 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 not to cut you off. Um, Yeah, I just want to kind of lay the table because, you know, obviously we're kind of nerds at this stuff. So for those who don't know, so Wes Craven obviously did um – um. Part one, which was great. He did the script and everything it was beautiful, directed and everything. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, this is only Wes Criven's second movie ever. Uh, and not 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 part three, but part one was his second movie ever, and it was his first first big feature really. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just wanting it to be a one and done. Yeah. They they made shit tons of money. They're like, hey, we got to do a part two. He's like, I want nothing to do with it. They brought in all these other people, and we got part two, which you know, he's just said was not really a, a great movie. Um, but it made more money than part one because people were paying for Freddie at that point. so they 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 got West Craven to come back, and um the idea West Craven originally had for part three was not what we got here. The original idea was what we got for West Craven's new nightmare. Yeah that's what was supposed that. to be the idea for here. Yeah. right. But um obviously they the 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 execs and whatever turned that down, so we got what we got here and um which I was I was very happy with and yeah that's just kind of laying the table as to where it was and you know this this Nightmare on Elm Street was also supposed to be the final Nightmare on Elm Street and West Craven said and um there's a deleted scene which when we get to you know talking a little bit into it I'll talk about why this was supposed to be the last one but you know they switched things around at the end and obviously we got like 10 more of these so yeah and,
0: that, and that's one thing like if you look at the budgets of all the the Friday the 13th movies for the most part they all made like ten times what it costs to for them to make the movie. That's what they made in profits. That's why it kept going for so long. That's why horror movies are so profitable in general, is because you can make horror movies for relatively cheap, um, and and make a huge return on it. But uh, bro, let's let's uh, and that's the thing with I always with nostalgic movie like this movie is a classic, right? I don't know if we, should we, should we, do we need to talk about the story? Do we want to just talk about our thoughts on the film? Like I always struggle when we're doing stuff like this and knowing where to go with it. But I think just for people, if anyone is younger and just getting into the Nightmare on Elm Street, let's get a little bit into the story. And it's difficult because yes. we're jumping into a third movie in a series. Um, so it's kind of difficult to know where to recap. But overall, the basic outline for the story, very similar, really, to a movie that we reviewed in New Mutants. Um, in. The fact that it's these kids, they're set in a mental institution, um, and the character from the original one, Nancy, eventually comes in as a, she's not a, is she a psychologist? Or she's just a, she's contributing. She's a grad student yeah. that
1: studies dreams and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so
0: she she comes in, very quickly kind of understands or, or knows what's going on with Freddie attacking these kids or has a, has a guess on it. And then uh, we get, The title Dream Warriors comes from once they go into this dream world under hypnosis, they all have a special power, something that makes them stand out in their own dreams that they're built, that they're bringing into this to bring the fight to Freddy to save their friend uh, who kind of got caught in the dream world a little bit later. That's just a a brief overview on the story at all. But what do you think about what did you think about the outline of this? What did you think about Nancy coming back? Just kind of everything going into this one as someone who's watched Nightmare One, Nightmare Two, and then we come into this story.
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, I I I was happy to see Nancy back because, you know, Nancy was the one who who defeated Freddie in part one. And, um, you, you know, and she wasn't in part two, which she would have succeeded in part two. But we already talked about that. And now we got her back here. So I was happy to see her. And um, the premise, though, I, I really like the premise a lot because it wasn't something we didn't really see that in the, in the prior two movies because it was more on one person mm-hmm. and their friends their home life. This is more in an insane asylum. And uh, there is a documentary and um, I'm really curious to know if it's the same documentary you were talking about that's at Shudder. But if you are a Nightmare on Elm Street um, fan or you want to learn more about it, uh, it's called Never Sleep Again, the Elm Street Legacy. And I saw this way before we even thought about doing this podcast just because I'm a Nightmare fan. It's like a four hour long documentary and they go over each of the original nightmare on Elm streets. And you know, they talk about like maybe 45 minutes or so all the ins and outs, but what they said about this particular movie was how the premise came about Wes Craven was seeing that how like kids during that time were being like going crazy and being locked up and thrown in like sort of these not really jails, but insane asylums. That's how they came up with that part. The part about the part about, um, The kids committing suicide and stuff at that time there was a rash of like a a bunch of kids that were also committing suicide so that's how he came up with the story a lot of people think he got he you know he got it from another movie or no no. he read two articles and pieced them together and came up with the premise of this movie
0: which is smart this is smart um and i know you mentioned how the new nightmare was originally what he wanted to do with this and i don't think the whole meta i don't think people would have got it back then, back in 87 when this was released. So, I like the story. It's of the time. Like you said, suicide's going on, so it definitely makes sense. And when you when you see, when you have a setting in a mental institution and these kids are all saying, look, I had a dream. This guy who was burnt with claws and people aren't believing them, it makes sense. You're in a mental institution. Um, so, I, 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 I love the setting in this. We get, uh and just overall, the basis of it. But when they finally get i i I think this is the first scene when nancy first sees freddy again because we know it's we clearly know it's freddy almost since the first scene they didn't hide anything uh with that because freddy krueger is the star of this franchise at this point very well so um but when nancy first sees freddy again and freddy sees nancy i like what they did there i like how they set that up um and i wish nancy would have returned more like i i would have loved in a different universe There's several Freddy sequels, and it's all Freddy trying to get Nancy back. But I like how they overlap it with, uh, no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about Dream Warriors. Never mind, the story thread that I thought was in this one, I'm actually mixing up with Dream Warriors. But I do love that they do. It's not like Nancy just like automatically like you guys are Freddy Krueger, and Freddy Krueger is this and this and this. Like it's just she walks in and just starts throwing this all off the top. I love that once she sees him, she's like, this all makes fucking sense.
1: Yeah, and I think though, like obviously Nancy sees Freddie and he's scared, but I think Freddie is it's- even scared than Nancy. Like the look that they gave Fred, cause I think if I'm not mistaken, that wasn't the first scene of the movie, no. but it no. was the first time they saw other. Ch- if I'm not mistaken, it was when Freddie was the snake. I yes. think that's the first time they yeah. reconnected. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And the look on Freddie's face was just beautiful. The, I, I'm sure that was was Craven all the way. It was like, whoa like you're back like whoa you know so um yeah and while we're on the topic let's talk a little bit about the cast and i think this is one of the main reasons why i really like this i think outside of part one this is probably the strongest cast um they have the uh i I don't remember everyone's names they had the, the kid who was in a wheelchair he played like the lovable geek they had joey who didn't talk even though he didn't talk he still was great they had Kirsten, which was the star star of the movie, you know, uh, other than Freddie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen, I think her name was, and she's actually the real life sister of uh, David Patricia Arquette. Arquette yeah. And um, right, 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 Patricia Arquette, and she went on to do like a bunch of stuff after this. Um, and my favorite character in this was Kincaid, and um, Kincaid is so funny, man, and um, he's like a stereotypical dude, but. His, his lines are so funny. And just like in the, uh, in the documentary I saw a while back, they were talking about how he got casted. And um, I guess when he came to audition for the role, he didn't have a car and he was waiting on public transportation. He got absolutely soaked waiting. And then when he got there, he had to wait for hours in these soaked clothes. And he was so pissed off. He didn't really give a fuck if he got the role or not at this point because he was so pissed off for the day he had. When he got in, they called him to audition. They're like, oh, read this line, and he looked at the he looked at them, and he went was like, you know what, the fuck directory. you.
0: Yeah, and that's how he got the. I right. went
1: off, and yeah. they're like, you know what, you're hired. That's exactly what we're looking for.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. It's like the jobs you hear when you like go off on your boss, and you're like, oh, I love how what you showed here. I'm giving promotion. you a raise, a promotion. Yeah, it's like fucking crazy ass people. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great stories behind the, the scenes with this one. Um, for example, most of the budget went to pract- to, to effects almost all these all the effects here were done practically um and, and this was like in the era where CGI was just starting to become in more movies so they had the the ability to do CGI but they went all practical with it which of course some t- cases well back then it cost more money so it just it, and it shows on screen all of these everything Freddy changes into uh everything that's used like with the faces on his chest it all looks great it all looks visceral um the guy being strapped to the bed even though it's by, like, these weird tongues, they all look great because it is practical effects. Practical effects. And nowadays, practical effects look great and with the little CGI enhancements on what's practical rather than just throwing it all CGI. And this just reminds you of the time of why these horror movies are so iconic. If you really look at it through history, the most iconic horror movies have mainly practical
1: effects. What would you think about the claymation? Because I... Like, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever seen that up until that point.
0: Um, I mean, this movie came out in 87. I was, I was one years old, So, uh, and I don't remember <laughs> how old I was when I finally saw it. But, like, um, I mean, Claymation, I mean, we had, like, like oh, I'm trying to think, what, what's the name of the movies with, like, the evil puppets back in the day uh, and whatever? Like, that was all Claymation. Claymation was pretty much standard back then, so I, it didn't stand out to me like it mm. does now, because nowadays that would all be CGI, right? Instead of Claymation, it would, it would right. be CGI. But Claymation... Contrary to to the CGI, it's still practical. It's still it's you. Somebody has to physically go in and do that. So, um, yeah, I mean it 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 stood out for me nowadays. But when I originally saw it, it wasn't it wasn't like it was a sore thumb or anything like that.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. And um, what did you? Can we talk real quick about Freddy? Because for me, I think we got a different Freddy than Freddy One and Freddy Two. Or I'm calling it Freddy, but you know what I mean. Nightmare on Elm Street One and Two. This Freddy felt more. And I, it was by design where he talked more. He was more wittier. He had the, lo- the one liners a lot more. It was a totally it was more of a pop icon, Freddy versus a, a Freddy from one and two.
0: Yeah. I th- well, Freddy one. Keep in mind, Freddy one. He was only in the movie for 10 minutes. So he wasn't in the movie a lot in Freddy. Was. Really? Yeah, if you go back and look his his Whoa, actual screen did not know line, that, bro. Uh, is Freddy is only 10 minutes in the original night. That's why it's so crazy that he became so iconic because that just shows to, to the the role and, and how it stood out because he wasn't in that movie very much. Uh Freddy too. we ah. did, we, we did get more of like the personality Freddy and everything like that especially, you know, him him interacting with the main character there but this was this is this is what i think was that all coming together the scariness of freddie the freakiness of freddie on top of the jokester and what what becomes this this was the like i said it all coming together to make what goes on to be freddie iconically now through decades from now on so i think this this i agree with you there this is when it just all became the perfect thing because like I said, I gave the reason. He wasn't in Freddy 1 very much. which was just crazy when you think about it. Your face said it all there. <laughs>
1: yeah, bro. I know. ten Because you have to remember, in, in in Nightmare on Elm Street 1, yeah. in the last scene, he's in there for about a good five, five, six minutes. So that means leaving out that last scene, he was only in the movie for like five minutes, which is crazy. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's true, because a lot of time you got like either a noise or his tongue now, I, or his I eyes. Was
0: even, I was wrong. I just went ahead and searched it real quick. In the original Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddie Krueger only has seven minutes of total screen time.
1: That has to be the last scene because a majority of it was probably the last scene when he when he's out of the dream and him and Nancy going you know chasing whatever. That is absolutely nuts. Yeah. Wow. But we definitely got a lot more of him on this one, um, and I think this is this is sort of the movie that kind of broke up Freddie as a as a, um, a a pop phenomenon because he did become a pop phenomenon. I mean, in this very movie. Um, after this movie, there was a a music video where, uh, I think the name of the band is Doken. I don't know much about like rock and shit, but Mm -hmm. the band's name was Doken. I have no idea if they're big or not. And they actually used Freddie, um, and this whole premise, I think actually the name of the song is dream warriors, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, yeah, Freddie became big. He started going on talk shows after this movie. He was on like, uh, Letterman and all Leno and all these things. And yeah, he really blew up after this movie yeah so yeah. it was really interesting
0: it's crazy uh, it, it, Freddie. so let's let's talk about that because again i know we're talking about dream warriors and we'll get back into it what do you think about Freddie being the icon that he is and the fact that in honestly the last 20 years or so they can't get a Fre- uh, uh they had the one remake but they can't get Freddie right since then does this speak to robert england uh, right england or edlin I'm sorry if I mispronounced his, his England, last name. England. England. Uh, his, how this role is so tied to his portrayal. Do you think, unlike Jason, unlike Michael Myers, that who almost anyone can get behind the mask, oh, can we ever get another iconic Freddy Krueger?
1: So let's talk real quick about who the main icons are. Jason, Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, let's throw Leatherface in there. Yep. When you look at these characters, right? These characters never talk. So if you have someone that can kind of nail down the movements, which, what movements is there? Really walking slow and yeah. very calculated? Um, in the case of Jason and Michael Myers, it's not hard to mimic that. Now, when you're getting into Freddie, now here's a a, a a character that actually talks. Yeah. He talks, he conversates. That smile. So to nail that smile. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing that we didn't talk about, his mannerisms. Yeah. He has his his Freddyisms where he does things... With his hands, or he might do something with his mouth or his eyes or his forehead, these little things are compiled the carry uh, the uh the Freddy character so now it's harder to mimic something like that because you have a whole layer of a character here versus just someone in a mat that doesn't talk, and it's just about movement so um. I forgot the name of the actor that did um, that did the remake of Freddy, but he's basically the guy that was in the Bad News Bears movie. He was Kelly in Bad News Bears and he was also in uh, Shutter Island. Mm. While that guy is an okay actor, the movie was absolutely horrible. Him as Freddy was horrible because all I kept on thinking was Robert England's Freddy, who is so witty. And, and while that character tried to do that, that guy tried to do that, it just did not portray so on film, on screen.
0: So do you think for us to get Okay, so, the, and this is the thing. Um, because Robert England is only, I know there's been talk about doing another one with him, which I would love to see is like his final send off to the character.
1: Um, they are doing one in December 2021.
0: Oh, it's already had a release okay, I didn't know it had an official release date. Good, good, good. With Robert England, I'm glad because he needs to do it. Do you think after that happens, let's say five, six years after it happens, for us to, to for them to keep the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise going and in the public eye? Do they have to completely reimagine Freddy? And this is this this is where remakes get into the into the dark territory. Follow me for a second here, bro. Because if they do do a new take on Freddy, because no one can be Robert England, if they want to completely reimagine the character, you're gonna get people who are purists like us to say, okay, well, it didn't have to be a Nightmare on Elm Street film then, right? Because you can you can you can do another movie where someone attacks their dreams and be a whole different character and not be Freddy Krueger. But then you also run into the issue that if you do that. People are going to say, well, you try to make a, a Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff. So, like, what do you do? What would you do as someone who owns a franchise to try to keep it going? Because you can't find any, You cannot find anyone to just replace Robert Englund. So what do you think?
1: So here, just without, like, sitting down and getting a team of people to figure out an <laughs> idea, just going quick quick off of, off of here. Here's the two things I'm, I'm faced with if I'm in this position. I can... I can um, ride Robert England to the ground until he's 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 dead and then make some more movies and then I can recast, which they tried to do. But now what happens here? People like you and I are going to hate that because we're going to say what we're saying now. He's no Robert England. The new Freddy's no Robert England. So now that has an issue with people like us. What they could do now is they can make that Robert England cut that after that. That's it. No more Robert England. Bring back somebody and recast. Freddie Krueger, and while people like you and me won't be like, oh no, they don't, they we won't be their 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 target demographic. Their target demographic would be your kids, and your kids don't really while because you know you're a movie head, you they've probably seen Nightmare on Elm Street. Most kids maybe may have not. So now this new character of Freddy is who they know as Freddy Krueger. They don't know what was, they just know him as is. That's the second option. However, the option that I would take is sort of in between. I would have Freddie as Robert England and uh, on that, on that movie, December 2021, I would figure out a way as a sort of passing the torch where you find out Freddie has a child, had a child. Well, actually I think Freddie did have a child. Yeah, sure. He had a daughter actually. Yeah. yeah. So, or you find out that he had a, something where he can pass the torch onto. So we, people like you and I, will still stay invested because now we know like, okay, it's not Freddy, but it's somebody else that has a connection with Freddy, so the story goes on. And to the new crowd, like your your, your kids and, and younger, they now have a new character to move on into the franchise. And that's the only other way, I think, that they can do it.
0: Uh, and even then, though, it's like... I, I, it's it's just, not Freddy. This is, this, is, this is one of those... It's, it's such a, a unique place because most, most franchises can be remade and you're fine. You're you're absolutely fine. People, of course, are gonna have an affinity for the original version or affinity for original actor that was in it or whatever. But Freddy Krueger is Robert England, so it's just like yes. I, I just I just don't know. And then if uh I know at one point Robert England had even said, "Oh, Kevin Bacon can pick up the mantle of Freddy," which would have been interesting at some point. That was in like the mid mid two thousands or that he had made that suggestion. But even then, it's like. I don't. I. I almost. Robert England. Let me not say he was. He was. He wasn't an unknown because he had been acting. I think he was a theater actor mainly at that point. Um, right. But you almost have to get someone that we don't identify we can now identify as this character somebody who hasn't been cast in a face. lot of stuff a fresh face yeah because that way now even if there are changes if you give it enough space if there are changes to the character he is our new freddy just like robert england was our freddy if you're going to keep it with the freddy kruger character now if you're going to go with your idea and introduce somebody new uh, to kind of take over terrorizing the kids of elm street it's all in the execution then i think it's all in the execution so
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And what I don't want, though, I don't want this. I don't want this franchise to die. Let me tell you why. The reason why I was always drawn into Nightmare on Elm Street and why it's my favorite franchise. When you look at, again, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, uh, Halloween. These are movies about random guys that are not random guys, but it's guys that are just killing people. Psychopaths that are killing people. Right. All in all three of those cases that can actually happen. In Freddie's case, in reality, this could never happen. However, the concept, he's killing people in their dreams. Mm-hmm. When you're in your dreams, you're sort of like vulnerable. And this is why, Grandpa up as a kid, I was like, fuck, like, I was never scared to, like, oh, sleep and stuff, where the movie impacted what me that way. Think, but right? it makes you think, like, in your dreams, you're vulnerable. Whereas some guys chase you in real life, you run, 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 and that's it. You just run and pray for, yeah. pray for the best. Whereas in your dreams, you can't really run anywhere because you're in your dreams. So, the concept was beautiful and i think it's the best concept out of all of those other movies you know all those other horror movies just that that dream aspect of it what do you think about that about that part yeah
0: i think uh, you freddy you're right everything that you said is 100% correct when cuz your dreams are supposed to be safe right so once your dreams are no longer safe you get into the psyche of people and that's what makes freddy such a great character on top of that um you know it's something that was pointed out I don't know if it's pointed out in the original movie or maybe in one of the more meta, I can't remember, but you almost never die in your dreams, right? You never die before, before you can die in your dreams. If you fall off something before you land, whatever you wake up. So, so you, it's always that thing of, okay, well, if I was to die in my dreams, would I stay dead? It just makes you think because for example, I I know for me, and this isn't any, this is, this is proven. I, I like, there have been times where something's happened in my dream and I don't know if it's, it's the psyche like it, let's say it happens to my wrist and I wake up and my wrist is a little sore. It's because like your mind, the mind is a powerful thing. So when you think about stuff like that and you go down this rabbit hole, it almost may, because Freddie is someone even as an adult, you can be terrified of somebody killing you in your dreams that you're not safe and a lot of you know and, and typically it's it's teenagers who are gone after in in these horror movies because teenagers are in that in between place of being completely vulnerable is like a little kid but you you're finally kind of getting out of your parents wing and getting out on your own more that's why teenagers are usually used as the as the the, the zero in person in movies like that but it's Freddy's is, is is great in that case like it it's because it's the most it's the most realistic non realistic one Because there's no, like somebody can chase you in a mask like Jason all day, but like you said, you're going to get away and they're not, if they're going to keep walking, they're not going to fucking catch up with you, but somebody can catch up with you and they can attack you in your dreams at all times, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I I, agree with that 100%. So, yeah, that's why I don't want to see Nightmare on Elm Street die. Not even trying to be biased because it's my favorite franchise, but because of that, con- it's too good of a concept to pass up. Uh, I mean, someone could come out with a horror movie tomorrow, and more than likely, it'll be something similar to what we've gotten with. It's just some slasher guy, yeah. or, you know, scream, even scream, whatever. It's always a guy trying to kill somebody or multiple people. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have this premise. So that's why I you know I really liked it. And um, yeah, let's uh let's go go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of this yeah. We
0: just completely detour get, in, get into a great diatribe uh, diatrap of of like the of Freddie as a character and stuff. But like I mean overall with this movie, like I said, I don't really want to do a step-by-step in the plot with, with the movie that's yeah, sold. I really don't. The spoilers out there, you guys know. Um, I, I want to key in on the title. This is Dream Warriors what did you think about the dream warriors and their abilities and how they were kind of effective to a degree against Freddie, but only for so like none of their powers really lasted too long against Freddie. But what did you think about having the premise of these kids being weapon weaponized against uh, Freddie in, in the dream world? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I thought, um, I thought it was, it was cool that, the concept was cool because now, like um, before, what we saw in part one and part two was these vulnerable kids just getting killed pretty much. Now they were sort of, like you said, weaponized where Nancy um, is kind of helping them, uh, you know, get armor to, to fight against Freddie. But like you said, in, in all their cases, pretty much, except Patricia Arquette, no one's um, abilities really helped them at the end. So, yeah. you know, it, it was interesting Wes Craven actually really wanted to go even crazier with the powers. Like he wanted to have someone fly, and mm-hmm. but the the, um, the execs, the execs yeah. in, the, in the studios pull, pull them back. They pull them back. And they're like, yo, that, that's going a little bit too far. But he wanted to get really crazy with some of these on powers. Mm-hmm.
0: I, that would have made it too much like a superhero movie. So I understand why they didn't want to go that route. This, this made it seem, and while people in their dreams do become superheroes or whatever, but this, because it was all aspects of their personality that were just boosted up in their dreams it made it seem more realistic and we can all you know relate to that we can only relate so much when somebody starts flying around like superman so i, I get why why the studio wanted to pull back and i think this is one of those cases in which the studio restricting it a little bit helped the movie because i i don't i don't think this movie would have been sure. as effective if all of a sudden we had someone flying around like superman against Freddy Krueger.
1: <laughs> yeah no i agree with you 100 sometimes I, even though Sometimes you can have a brilliant mind and and they still need to have because ha- their mind takes things all over the place. You kind of need someone to rein them back. So, yeah, uh, which West Raven is a brilliant mind. But, yeah, sometimes you need that student to kind of say, yo like chill. Um, another thing I want to talk about here, um, just moving forward, is we actually got more more layers to the whole Freddie backstory because mm-hmm. in part we didn't really get anything much in part two. Part one, we found out that, um, you know, Freddie was a it was a. a Sort of like a, a, I don't think they even, they, yeah, he was a child molester, child kidnapper, and um, the people, the, the parents of Elm Street got him and, and they killed him. That's really the story well, we got in part one.
0: Remember, in part one, he actually, he wasn't a molester. It was all wrong. That's that's what made, or did we find that out later in the series? See, this is the thing about us doing Iconic Series, because it was determined he, because in the remake, they actually did make him a child molester, which people had a problem with, but in this one, he actually didn't do it. really yeah yeah no wait huh i think so i did, think uh, i got no i think i got that flipped around i think in this series he was a child molester actually yeah he was because i can't remember i i he maybe in the no, remake in one of them he actually wasn't a molester and that's what made it so bad that they burnt him alive because he actually wasn't doing it i can't remember if it was this or the remake forgive me listeners let us know but go ahead
1: yeah, right. But um, he definitely he was killing kids. At least that—that th- yeah. that much we know. And but we got a little bit more of the backstory of how he came to be. And in in, in this one, um, one of the characters comes across a, a nun, a sister, and um, she was telling him the story of how Freddy Krueger's mom. Um, got, was a nurse in an insane asylum or a jail, I should say. And um, she got locked in over the weekend and she was raped by like a thousand men or something like that, or a hundred. No, I think she said a hundred men. And that's how Freddie was conceived. So Freddie was was the, um, the what's the word I'm looking for? The subject of, uh, of rape, basically. And uh, kind of that's what led him to become sort of evil because of the, of the DNA, et cetera, et cetera. And then that nun ended up becoming... That none was actually Freddy's mom, Amanda Krueger. So it was cool that they added yet another layer to the Freddy character. And um as the as the series goes on and the franchise goes on, they kept adding layers. Whereas, you know, in part Freddy's Dead, which we talked about, we found out he had a daughter and and uh, in New Nightmare. Was it New Nightmare? No, no, in Freddy's Dead, we saw his backstory before he became yeah. like this killer or whatever. We saw, you know, he saw his wife and yeah, a lot of layers here.
0: Yeah. Freddie is a, Freddie is one of the he is one of the more layered characters. I mean, Jason was just a kid that died and came back to life or whatever. I mean, there's not really huge layers. to That Michael Myers would probably be the next most layered, but even then, there's not a huge amount of layers. He was a kid that was uncared for and snapped. That's basically what it came down to. Freddie yeah. has all these different layers um, to him, and that's why you know he's the only one that talks. He's the only one that talks in the, in, in, the, in the series. So I mean, in in the horror icons, him and Chucky. And that's why they're both so iconic. That's why probably too why it's right. been so hard to have remakes to those two because they are so iconic in the fact that like there's such a natural banter and actual character to those two that even though Chucky's this doll and you can you can make the doll look the exact same in every movie if you want to, but if you're not having someone who delivers those lines the same way, it, it doesn't hit the same way. So yeah, I mean, Freddy is is one of the best horror characters ever. Now in this one, I will say. What do you think about? Because all my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movies have Nancy and they have Freddy. I personally think like Nancy is the Batman to Freddie's Joker in a in a way. Like it's always better stories when they're involved with each other. And maybe that's just my affinity because she was the first one but even the actress like there's just something special about it when these two are on screen together that's why i think new nightmare was as good as it was too because even though it was meta and wrote it all back that it was an actual movie it's something about seeing those two characters what do you think
1: yeah well i agree with you 100 if you look at just you and i's top three freddie movies it's freddie it's nightmare on street three nightmare on street one and new nightmare all three of those had heather Langenkamp, which is uh and nancy and um yeah, it's just like it, it was. It was like the uh the ying to it was you know the yin to the yang type of thing. And they again, it could be we're biased because of, like you said, we have that affinity for part one. But I think they just uh, they just went they played off of each other really well. And you always remember Nancy as like the one he never got until obviously part three um, was like the one like he he didn't get you know he never got so. Yeah, and we probably would have gotten to see a lot more of Nancy in franchises had, and let me, let me uh, let's me let talk about that real quick, had Wes Craven not known this was going to be the last one, we would have gotten more Nancys because the original ending to this was, Nancy was, go- was supposed to die because Wes Craven is like, okay, this is the end of the franchise, mm-hmm. but... The last scene we got in this movie, it's the character Neil sleeping, and then the light in the little house comes on. That light is meant to say Freddie's still alive. Yeah. However, the see- they cut a scene before that. The scene before that, after Nancy dies and everything, this is like, you know, weeks later, maybe months later. Neil goes to visit Patricia Arquette's character and she's moving to New York and he's asking her, how are you doing and everything? And she's like, yeah, I'm doing good. And, the, you know, the, the nightmares have stopped. And like, you know, Freddie's gone. And uh, he asked her, like Nancy, and she, because remember, Patr- Patricia Arquette, one of her powers was she could pull somebody into her dreams. Mm-hmm. So Patricia Arquette basically says, I see her every night. Like, she, she's in my dreams every night protecting over me. And she's like the protector now, like Nancy becomes the protector, where as long as Nancy's a protector, no one can, Freddie can't get to anybody and that's the end of the franchise, so that last scene we get with Neil sitting down when the light goes on, that light was not meant to be Freddie, that light was meant to be like, it's Nancy protecting him as well, mm-hmm. but because they deleted that scene, they deleted the scene before that, and put some creepy music now it's like, it's Freddy. Freddy's still alive okay,
0: makes sense Yeah, makes sense oh, oh man i love this movie bro i just i do i just i love this fucking movie it it's like you said the characters everything about it um i just think that this is because it, it, freddie it's funny because freddie it's like this thing with freddie right because leading up to this movie he's you know more scary creepy you know like you said in part two we got more personality out of him this was this was probably the peak of freddie's personality before it got too jokey and then we started going down on the other side of the hill where it was just too over the top and he became like this jester or whatever um and this is to me for for me and people may think it was for may think it was a different one in the series for me this is the best version of freddy that we've ever got.
1: Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And in terms of like character and like his wittiness, I think it's a it's a combination of three and also four. But then four starts getting into that danger zone where it starts getting hokey, like you said, Jester E. But you want to see the best Freddy ever? This is the movie to see him in all accounts. Just his movements and just everything he did. His one liners. Let's talk about those. Some of those one liners. Um, uh, welcome to primetime, bitch. A lot of people don't know. That was not part of the script. Speaking of, they,
0: a weird fact that I found is that actually a lot of Freddie's lines in this one weren't were scripted. But yeah, you're right. This one is the prime time when he pulls it into the TV, not scripted at all. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. I mean, he um, improv a lot in this movie, um, which he hadn't done, but 99% of the improv shit that he did, they kept, like, they had did two, see- two shoots or takes of that scene you're talking about where they pulled uh, the girl, I forgot her name, Jennifer, I think, they pulled her into the TV, and the original thing was like, um, it's time for your big break. And then when they did the third scene, he added "Welcome to primetime, bitch," and they loved it so much they just took both takes and put it into this one scene, which is what we got. Um, another cool, uh, another cool line was when he killed Taryn, the, the the girl with the um with the drugs, and he sticked her, and he like rolled his eyes back, and he was like, "What a rush!" Like he had a lot of a lot of good one liners, and um, yeah, man, like in place of what you were saying about that Freddy character, let me ask you this. Um, you know, because for those who don't know, before we had Film Frequency, we had Fear Frequency, where we, we were always talking about horror movies, and one of the things, one of the segments we would do is Our Favorite Kill. What was your favorite kill for this For this one? Jesus.
0: Give me a second to think about that. Give yours. Give me a second to think about that.
1: Okay. Sure. So, wh- when I'm looking at it, there's... there's three that kind of pop up in my head immediately, maybe four. No, I'll say three. My, my best three is, um, number one, which is, um, Freddie himself, the way he died with the, with Neil throwing the Holy water at him. And you see like the holes coming out of his body and then the, the crucifix on his forehead. That was done really well. Number two. Um, that was also a good kill was, um, my mind literally just went blank. um, Oh, I forgot. I forgot what the what my uh, the second kill was. But my favorite kill of this whole thing, I think, was Taryn, which is the one that got killed with the with the needles. The needles. Um, just the psychology. Yeah, the, with the drugs, like the psychology behind it, because uh, her character is somebody who like has drug issues. And actually, the character said, it, like in the documentary, in real life, this role was very close to her because she actually did have drug issues. Mm. So playing a character that had drug issues was very real for her. But the way they set it up, and you know, you saw in her arms, you saw the little mouth is like just
0: yeah.
1: getting thirsty for the drugs, and then he stick, you know, his needle, his his uh, razors turn into needles and drugs, and that kill, you know, that was my favorite kill, definitely.
0: I think mine, uh, after giving it some thought, uh, mine would probably be the primetime bitch. Oh, one. and the primetime bitch yeah, one was a the good primetime one bitch, yeah. one, but just because that's the one that that people would typically bring up in this movie, but I'm gonna take it to step back. The one against the Wizard Master. Only because it's heartbreaking to see, bro. It's hard, but you get this kid who's in this wheelchair. He's so, like, empowered when he's in the dream world. And he he's giving a fight to Freddy. And, like, it, it's just it's heartbreaking to see. So i probably think that one. I'm
1: going to tell you right now, that is the death that was most deserved to me. Damn, okay. Okay. Let me tell you why. All right. He's the only person I feel deserve to die. And let me tell you why Damn, his bro. power. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking, I'm taking it there. His power, right? He had the thing where he could like, you know, throw whatever the fuck he was throwing at, 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 at Freddie and Freddie was actually getting hurt by it. Right. Yeah. The mistake he made is why are you charging at him?
0: Why not do it? For so resistance? he charges
1: right. at. Fr- yeah go ahead yes he was he was he was making great effect now stay your distance if you want to get a little bit closer sure but he literally went up into freddie's face so at that point all freddie literally has to do is grab him and that's it yeah. done so if he would have kept his distance it would have probably been better
0: yeah i i can i i can see your point on that one but yeah i uh, i feel it i feel it um all right what else we got bro
1: um th- i just want to just some more other things that are coming to my head the character joey the one who was um deaf or, sorry not deaf but he was a mute he didn't really talk or anything um in one of the scenes which you kind of talked about just a touch earlier where uh, he he has this beautiful nurse and um they're, they're making nice out tits. or whatever and then oh beautiful tits bro um <laughs> as a matter of fact in the documentary. The girl who plays the nurse, uh-huh. she said, like till now, she still gets like fan mail of people saying, like that scene is like one of like the first time ever jerked off or the first time ever got an erection. She still gets fan mail, and she's like, it's very um flattering. That's what she said. She's uh, older now, funny. obviously.
0: That was eighty seven. Her tits are probably all. Yeah, I think, her did, knees at this I think
1: she did. I think. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> she. Uh, she. I think she did. Like, I think she did. Like, uh, like. Those like adult films, not porno, but like you know, like those like Cinemax type movies. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's how they had casted her. I don't really remember, but at any rate, that scene where Joey is laying down on the on the uh, bed and he's tied up, and you see the fire behind him. In reality, they shot that film, uh, excuse me, that scene upside down. So Joey's not really laying down. Joey's on the like on the ceiling, and they shot so many angles and parts of that scene where it was so long that he actually passed out and they had to rush him to the hospital because he was like it, it was he was basically like he was being crucified it was like a crucifixion a real crucifixion because of the angles he was and he almost almost died actually um which would have been freaking horrible but yeah that's a rush him to the hospital cuz uh, that that was an issue and um yeah just a, another little uh, a little nugget there <laughs> all
0: right fair enough fair enough that's crazy two bro.
1: nuggets yeah, two, two nuggets
0: and some tits um Always
1: got to go back to them tits. <laughs> I think I saw somewhere like it was ranked. I don't remember who did the the, the countdown, but I think it was like top ten of greatest boobs in a horror movie. I think it was number four. I don't know if it was. I don't know who did the who did it, but it was number four in in boobs in a horror movie. They so I nice, like to know bro. who number one through three was.
0: They are nice. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, what else we got, bro? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean that's pretty much. I mean that's that's literally the gist. I mean we could talk towards the end here. We got back uh, John Saxon who played um, Nancy's dad. I don't even know if we yeah, ever really know end. what his name is, but yeah, we got him back, and you know they 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 ended up getting Nancy at uh, Nancy saw him, and this this part actually really pisses me off. I never really thought about it as a child, like a kid when I watched it, but now as an uh, adult, uh, you know the The scene kind of pisses me off because Nancy is super smart, and Nancy's kind of one step ahead of Freddie. Mm-hmm. At the end, they think Freddie's dead, and that's she's like, "Oh, he's gone." She literally sees her dad appear. Now you have to know this is not real. Like, how can that be your dad? Like, it, no one can just appear in front of you. So she has to know something is going on here. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. Oh, it's her dad, and um, she's kind of vulnerable, let her guard down because her her dad. But I feel like instead of just having him appear like that and her seeing him appear, it should have been more like he they hear him calling out in another room. Oh, Nancy! Oh, Nancy! Because then now it's like, okay, yeah, he, my dad came to save me type of thing. Yeah. Versus sh- her looking dead at him, seeing him appear. He she should have known better. Like, hey, this is obviously not your real dad because no one just appears out of thin air. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean. They've seen so much crazy shit. I I can I can get behind her thinking it was his spirit maybe saying something. Like considering everything that they have been they have been through up until that point, I I get it, but you know, logically speaking, yeah, I I can see where you're coming from. But uh
1: Yeah, and another thing I wasn't thinking about, technically they're supposed to be in the dream, and in the dream anything can happen. There you
0: go. Um, So it makes
1: sense. But um, how did you feel when you first saw this movie and Nancy you saw Nancy get killed? So
0: this, this is the funny That's thing. That's heartbreaking. This is the funny thing. This, this to, to my at least as far as me being aware and paying attention, was the very first Nightmare on Elm Street movie I ever saw. So I didn't oh. even, like the whole thing of Nancy being from a different movie, honestly, bro, I don't think until, I think so. until maybe I was like eight or nine that I had put it. Because Dream Warriors were, was, Freddie, for so long, I didn't even say Nightmare on Elm Street. It was dream. I want to watch Dream Warriors. I want to watch Dream Warriors. I want to see Freddy Krueger. And that's what I meant when I said that. Like, cause you know, I've been watching horror movies since I was like, I'm, I'm creepy. Since I was like five and six, me and my dad used to watch them together. It wasn't until seriously. So I was about eight or nine to where I finally watched them all in order. And that's when I realized the impact of Nancy dying. So the first time I saw it for me, it was just like, damn, that sucks. The lady who was trying to help them died because I didn't have that affinity for Nancy from the first movie.
1: Yeah, I saw. Um, I had saw one and two before this one. I saw this one on VHS, and um, I believe part two I saw on VHS. But part one, I saw that shit like five hundred times because, um, like like yourself, I'm also sick, and um, I was watching horror movies since like the age of like four or five, and I remember. Because, you know, we, we've said before, we're, you and I used to be huge wrestling fans back in the day. And on Saturday, you'd have wrestling, I think, like at 12 or 1 o'clock. And there was a short period of time where I felt once a month, mm-hmm. right after like Superstars or whatever it was, Nightmare on Part 1 would show on Fox. Mm-hmm. And um, I must have saw the movie like 50 times. I saw that movie so many times growing up. This one that we're reviewing right now, Dream Warriors, is the one I've seen the most mm-hmm. in my whole life. But growing up. Part one, one, I because it was on TV like once a month. So by the time we got to part three and see Nancy dying, it had an impact on me because Nancy was the was like the super he, she was the superhero she was like the good guy and yeah. you know she's the one that represented that. And when she died, I was like, oh shit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I and you know, the, the, it's it's a it's a trope when you kill off a character who was a, a previous survivor and another one that's meant to raise the stakes, right? So you know, I know this will happen at the end, but you know, for this to originally be. Meant to be the last Friday, the, I mean Nightmare on Elm Street movie, um, it would have made sense. We lost Nancy, we lost Freddie. to send it all off, right? But uh, yeah, it just it. I really wish we would have got Nancy. Like I wish she wouldn't have died until, like five because she's her. I mean, what well, we got new nightmare uh. out of? We got new nightmare, so it's all worth it in the end.
1: Exactly. Do you think, uh, obviously, this was the end of Patricia Arquette as well. They tried to get her. Her character was in part four. Um, They couldn't get her. I think she was shooting something else at the time. Or, I don't think it was contract disputes. I think she was shooting something else at the time. But if they could have gotten Patricia Arquette, oh, well, technically she died in part four. But what I was going to ask you was, do you think Patricia Arquette would have been someone good to pass on the torch to as, like, the next oh, Nancy yeah. to go on for the next... Kind of how we got Alice, and actually Alice was the next Nancy because yeah. she was in part four and part five, and she never died. Um, do you, I think Patricia Arquette would have probably been a better fit? What do you think? Patricia Arquette
0: that? is a is a really good actress. I think too the fact that her and Nancy did overlap, and Nancy became like her mentor in a, in a way that that True. made her, the passing of the torch be to her make all make sense. Um, I just and and you know we get that a lot in in. Horror movies too. Look at Tommy Jarvis in uh in uh Friday the Thirteenth. Um, it's it, so I it it you want to have kind of that through character win and if you can, but I'm sure that they thought at some point every Friday the th- I mean every Nightmare on Elm Street movie was going to be the last one in some way or not. But yeah, it would it would have been great to have sure. her. And I understand that they killed her off in the beginning of four because they couldn't get her back because that then that makes sense is like because people are always going to wonder well why isn't he going after her now if 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 Patricia Arquette just never came back and they never picked the character back up so I get why they killed her off but you know I wish they would have nowadays you know people would have had two three film movie contracts to to safeguard against that so they didn't do that back in the day so right
1: yeah because I think if they would have got Patricia Arquette she would not have died. The character would not have died in part four, and everything we got from Alice would have, would have probably been, been Patricia Arquette. Exactly,
0: because you can see yeah. where you can see where those characters would could have been the same at one point in the scripting process. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah, and who knows? Patricia Arquette's character might have ended up at the end of the series if it went that way. Mm-hmm. Might have ended up being even bigger than Nancy because at that point, you would have had. Her in part three, part four, part and part five mm-hmm. versus Nancy, who was just in one and two because there was no new nightmare back then. So maybe you might have even gotten Patricia. Char- well, I was going to say maybe you might have even gotten Patricia Char- had new nightmare, but no, because the nostalgia, the icon, the iconic role will always be always be Nancy.
0: Yeah, always, always the the final girl. Well, that's it, bro. You got, I, I got nothing left to talk about this movie. We went way longer than I thought we would on an on, uh, old school movie, but it, it was needed. It, it, I love the conversation that we got into like about just Freddie's place in, in the, the horror iconology as a whole, but you got anything left?
1: Yeah, I have to ask you three questions and I'm done. All right. And here, I'm going to ta- ask you all three right now. Where does Nightmare on Elm Street rank in franchises? Where does Freddy ra- rank in villains uh, in horror movies? And uh, the, then we can go into our uh, ratings.
0: The franchise ranks for me behind behind Halloween to me. It's Halloween. <laughs> wow. It's Halloween, then Nightmare on Elm Street for me. Uh the character Wow, the character of F- Freddy Krueger. You got to put him for me. I got to put him even though I love I'm a huge Michael Myers guy. And that's just because I just like how ruthless Michael Myers is, but as a character, you have to give Freddy number 1. I don't see how you can put anybody before Freddy. And then what was the third question? The rating. Uh for the film? Oh fuck. This right. this I almost will never give a perfect 10 out just because it's so hard for a movie to be perfect for me, but this is easily 9.75 for me. <laughs> Ridiculous. What, what's up? The, there's
1: a reason I asked you those three questions, uh-huh. and it's like cause we're always we're always agreeing on everything. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna ask you these three questions because I know we're gonna get disagreements. So I'm gonna ask you what what your favorite franchise is, knowing you're gonna say Nightmare and Elm Street, but I'm like, ha. Mine's is Halloween, We're <laughs> different. but you fucking said, Halloween. while this movie is a really good movie, when you're looking at the whole franchise, yeah. I think Halloween gives you some, I think Halloween is probably the best franchise, like you said, the best franchise period in all, all horror because so many different layers and so many different things from part one all the way up into what we got last year. Yeah. And we're gonna get more. So, agree with you one hundred percent. Now, when we're talking characters, I'm like, I know one hundred percent. You love Michael Myers. You're going to say Michael Myers, but mines is Freddy Krueger, and of course, you say Freddy Krueger. And I've said multiple times, Freddy Krueger is my favorite, favorite um, uh, villain in, in horror. So yeah. And then um, what you said about you, can, you'll never give a ten. I will. The same thing for me. I would never give a ten. It'd have to do so much for it to be a ten. So I'll give it the next best thing, which is a. yeah
0: (laughs) that's funny (laughs) we are brothers bro we are brothers um yeah Yeah. and you know for me and we've said it we've we've done a series on halloween how if you take halloween one halloween two halloween h2o you can even replace h2o with the one we got last year that's like the best trilogy in horror to me personally uh and i like you can't
1: replace h2o bro l.l (laughs) coochie
0: but yeah so yeah but uh yeah so as a franchise, it ranks second to me but all right bro we're it we're done uh go ahead and give them your social media let's get the hell up out of here
1: i can reach on twitter at the One jb and of course you can reach us on facebook which ceo Hayes will give that information and uh also let the people know what we got coming up next in this horror month of october uh,
0: yeah so next up i believe next up is never hike alone Sir, sure. so we'll be doing Never Hike Alone. Your pick. We, we we may be doing a double review of Never Hike Alone and the movie Host. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Host
1: yeah, on you Netflix. Said you wanted to Never Hike Alone and Host
0: because uh, they're both fifty minute movies. Um, really, really good movies. I don't know if JB's watched either yet, uh, but I'm interested to talk about it. So I'm not yet. That's that's what's up next. Then after that, we have. Then what's following that, bro?
1: Um so uh we th- we're, we're gonna be in the last week of october and i believe you said you wanted to do um i believe you said you wanted to do the craft
0: the craft yeah the craft is after that and then uh we may we may throw in or maybe we'll, we'll try to
1: see if we can fit some blumhouse in there
0: yeah so the welcome to blumhouse series they the they have two out right now maybe we'll do like kind of a a combination of all two maybe that'll be exclusive to youtube so this is Make sure you go and subscribe to YouTube. We are back on YouTube full-time as far as releasing videos there uh, that complement every episode of The Film Frequency. So make sure you're also subscribing there. That Facebook page that JB talked about before also is uh, The Film Frequency on Facebook. Just search it. It's a great discussion group about all... Films, not just horror films, not just films, some TV as well. We talk about each and everything there, um, and then also uh, you can follow us collectively at the Film Bros Pod. And then if you want to send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, that's the film, the Film Bros, the Film Frequency Pod at gmo com. Sorry. And then if you want to follow me uh, exclusively, you can do that. CEO H A I Z E. This has been another episode of the Film Frequency. We are your Pod Warriors, and we off this bitch. Peace. Peace.